Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It's really nice to have you here today. Today's episode is one that I'm really proud to be putting out, and I'm really thankful that I am joined by an expert in the space to discuss a really important topic. We're talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and what the conflict has to do with global dependence on fossil fuels. This is, of course, a wildly current topic, and it's also a very sensitive topic. So while this episode has been highly requested and a conversation that I've seen floating around the internet and one that I've been interested in diving deeper on, I knew that we had to talk about this with an expert. Because while I could talk about fossil fuel dependency all day, I am certainly not an expert in international politics. I'm not an expert on human behavior. And I am so, so thankful that we are able to have a conversation today with Dr. Sheta Chakraborty. Sheta is a globally recognized and highly respected behavioral scientist with a keen focus on the climate crisis. Sheta earned her BS in Decision Science at Carnegie Mellon University, her PhD in Risk Management from King's College in London, and went on to complete a postdoc at Oxford University. She has since worked as an adjunct professor at Columbia University. She is an author. She is a TEDx speaker. She is a South by Southwest interviewer of this year. She hosts the Risky Behavior podcast. Sheta is an incredible science communicator and someone who has a real, real passion and talent for reducing really serious, big scientific information into a more digestible form. She's also the president of U.S. operations for We Don't Have Time, the world's largest review platform for climate solutions. Perhaps you've seen her talking about climate or COVID on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, BBC. Seriously, she is a go-to explainer, the behavioral scientist for the people. Sheta is someone that I've looked up to and enjoyed following for quite some time now, so I'm thankful to have the opportunity to speak with her today, particularly about the crisis in Ukraine, because I have heard a couple of snippets of her discussing the crisis in a very human-centric way, and I really wanted to dive deeper with her, so today we do. I'd like to quickly thank Climate Power, which is the group that connected Sheta and myself. I've worked with Climate Power in the past, but just a quick recap. Climate Power is an independent strategic communications and media platform founded and funded by the Center for American Progress Action Fund, the League of Conservation Voters, and the Sierra Club. Climate Power is a group focused on building the political will and public support for bold climate action. Again, a group that I really like and respect, and I'm really thankful to have the opportunity to work with them for conversations such as this. 
Part of me also wants to mention that a couple of weeks ago, when the news of Russia's invasion of the sovereign state of Ukraine first broke, there was some commotion online around how this is clearly tied to the fossil fuel dependency of the world. And I knew that I wanted to put out an episode on it, but part of me was nervous to do that. Perhaps not nervous, but hesitant because it's a sensitive topic and by no means do I want to water this down to a 30-minute podcast episode. I am so deeply heartbroken as more and more news comes out around this crisis and I feel like, especially talking with an expert today, we have a respectful conversation to better understand this crisis and to make sense of it in our own Western lens. We are deeply tied to this crisis and we can certainly use this as an opportunity to learn and better ourselves as a global community. I think that you'll really enjoy this episode and I hope you find something valuable in it. I encourage you to share it with a friend, share it with your family group chat. If we're all curious to know a little bit more about the crisis, you can tag me on your Instagram story at Podcast, And that's also where you can find me anywhere online. All my links are always in the show notes. And I like to know what you think about episodes. If you enjoy it, you can also rate and review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, and you can always get in touch with me. Again, links and email in the show notes. With that, let's get into our conversation today. Let's better understand what fossil fuels have to do with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Enjoy. Shetha, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me. Lots going on in the world for us to chat about. Lots going on. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we can talk about current events through the behavioral science lens. I'm excited to just like jump right into conversation with you. Yeah, let's do it. At a high level, what does fossil fuel dependency have to do with the conflict in Ukraine? This is a war that is being waged because of oil and gas dependency by the entire world. This war would not be happening otherwise. That is why there is such a obvious connection between fossil fuels and global instability. And the way I look at it and what I've been saying in the news media has been that Putin is a petro dictator. Let's call it what it is. If we didn't have this dependency on oil and gas, we would be not reliant on Russia's exports of oil and we would not be funding what is Putin's war machine and his aggression into the sovereign state of Ukraine. So if there was ever a case example, unfortunately, a modern case example of uh, potentially World War III, of why the world needs to get off fossil fuel dependence, it is Russia's aggression into Ukraine. Thank you for such a concise overview of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. I feel like from a consumer perspective, especially in the States, it's very easy to look at political events globally and assume that they are not related to our day-to-day lives. And it's sometimes hard for people to even take that next step and connect conflict to energy security and reliance on fossil fuels. So thank you so much for making that so concise. To dive a little bit deeper, when we are looking at it from this Western lens, what can we learn from this conflict as we are watching it unfortunately unfold in the news? Oil is a global commodity and we have very little control over it. So it's oil producing countries that dictate the cost of oil. And we need oil because pretty much every country is still highly dependent on oil for its energy needs. And if there are countries that are contributing 
to the gouging of oil prices at the pump in the United States, for example, by controlling the amount of oil that's being made available at the world level, then that just goes to show exactly why we are so stuck in the United States and so dependent and experiencing the hardships on the day to day. We're seeing the lines at the gas pumps. We're seeing the devastation that this is causing families. And it's all because we are reliant on this resource that is really disappearing in front of our eyes. And we're still grasping on to the threads that are still there, even though the writing is on the wall of the future of oil and gas. And so how do we transition to clean energy? Had we really invested in solar and wind, which is just getting cheaper and cheaper year after year, then we would be independent of these kinds of these kinds of price hikes in oil at the global level. So that is the dependency that we need to now see the Ukraine conflict as an opportunity to remove ourselves from. This is a opportunity to transition faster to clean energy than we have had in the past. It's more critical now than ever to do it. And we can see why. And all the hesitation that might have plagued the US and other countries in the past for reasoning to make that transition because oil and gas is easy. It's what we're used to, right? And it's the newer technologies that are, as a behavioral scientist, what I study is why there's a resistance to making the move to a cleaner energy system, even though that's obviously better for the planet and for people, but there's still that resistance. Well, if there was ever an example or a time to do it, it's now post this conflict. It's now clearer than ever that Putin is holding the world hostage and Ukraine especially because of the world's dependency on its oil and gas. And this war has driven up gas prices and oil companies, rather than taking on the cost themselves, are actually passing it on to consumers in the United States and around the world. Who's really benefiting from this war? Putin, of course, and oil and gas execs. They are making so much money out of the new price point of oil that it's it's baffling. It's absolutely insane. And then on top of the amount of money that these oil execs are making, we continue to subsidize. The world subsidizes oil and gas um, at a rate that is just mind boggling. It's something like six trillion a year in subsidies that go to oil and gas. This is how this invasion of Ukraine is happening. It's because we have all contributed to funding this war machine that is allowing this invasion to happen. And we continue as a global population to rather than shift away from our reliance on oil and gas, support it by letting our policymakers be influenced by the oil and gas lobby. So I know there was a lot to unpack there. I just wanted to lay out the landscape of what's happening and how it's all connected. We as individuals, we definitely, we have blood on our hands here. If As long as we continue to allow our elected representatives into office that are being bankrolled by oil and gas, and I can get you some of the numbers on that, we're going to continue to see petro dictators like Putin take advantage of sovereign nations like Ukraine. Yeah. Thank you for laying out the scene, because there is a, a really interesting level of cognitive dissonance that as consumers we have when we think about energy. We assume that our choices in voting have nothing to do with the long-term gas prices. And eventually someone will make those connections for us, but then it's too little too late. I mean, a Western perspective is a very selfish perspective inherently, but even going one step further, there's this level of perhaps like false security when we think about energy 
and assuming that prices will always be stable, assuming that everything will always be abundant and available. And when we talk about fossil fuels, especially in fossil fuel dependency, it's very easy when things are going well and, and gas prices are good to not really feel the need to advocate on the individual level or on the local level for renewable energy projects. Because who's funding that and who is uh, putting their political reputation on the line to advocate for these things? There's definitely a level of like, if not now, then when? But also like if you're a politician, you're elected for four years. If you're an individual person voting once every four years, you're not deeply involved with these issues day to day. You have very little incentive to care about energy issues. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. It's uh it's easy to just get comfortable with what we know, right? And it's not like we can see energy. What does energy look like? I mean, Americans, especially when they turn their light on, they expect the light to come on. And then if it's hot in the summer, we expect to get air conditioning. And if it's cold in the winter, we expect heat. And that's pretty much our interaction with energy. So what we need to do is make energy more immediate and more visible to people so that they can actually recognize that there is a force behind what keeps the lights on. And the force doesn't have to come from fossil fuels. It can come from new innovative solutions that are increasingly scaling and becoming more affordable to the average American. In fact, if we actually transition to clean energy, we can actually see lower energy prices. Our gas bills, no longer gas bills, will be $500 less every year. So it's so critical for us to actually explain what is behind what is actually moving our transportation around, what is actually keeping us cool in the summers. And once we're able to tell that narrative and give people options to have what is supporting their day in and day out moving around, give them the option of moving to cleaner choices, people will make that shift. It's just a matter of making it available. So that's what we have to do as decision makers and those who work in the space. We actually have to create an infrastructure that makes it easier for people to default actually to better decisions. We should be asking people to opt out of renewable energy as opposed to having to opt in, right? The default needs to move from oil and gas to clean energy. So that's one. And then we also have to convince people to care by making it easier for them to care. People care about things that are entertaining. They care about things that are immediate. They care about things that they can relate to. And we know that. So how do we tell this story in a way that is less work for us and is more automatic for people to pay attention to and engage with? So what I do as a behavioral scientist is I make the invisible visible and I try to make the issues that seem far away or slow moving more relevant and more immediate. The reason people don't care about sea level rise, for example, it seems like something that's so slow, something that doesn't have to be worried about right now, something that, you know, other people over there. So telling the story of sea level rise as one example, as a ripple effect of climate change is a, is a good example of how to actually get people to care about these things, to want and demand that the choices they make are easier to be made as well. So it's it's a two-way approach here. One is we need to get better as a community of consistently and credibly communicating the climate change reality and the solutions to the challenges that are coming. And we need to make that really accessible for people and tell the story in a way that resonates. And then we need to make the action steps for people really easy as well. So two things, change the choice landscape so it's easier for people to make choices 
and have people be able to better receive and interpret information to be able to make better choices. If we can do that, then behavioral science has won. That, that would be my contribution to addressing the climate crisis. Let's apply behavioral science, let's improve our communication, and let's tell the story of what's happening currently with Russia and Ukraine for what it is. We are all responsible for supporting a industry that has resulted in actual resources for a petro dictator to then be able to invade a sovereign nation. That is the story of our reliance on fossil fuels. And we can craft that in a way to really resonate with people because it might not have the same impact for somebody who's of Ukrainian descendants in the United States as it does for somebody who's you know living somewhere in the barrier islands and is experiencing sea level rise. But they're all actually linked back to the same cause. The same cause is our bad behaviors is resulting in the planet warming. And we have all the opportunities in front of us now to tell the story in a way that is going to move people to change their behaviors. That's the opportunity here. Wow. Thank you for that. That was so succinct. And something you mentioned earlier that has just continued to replay in my head as you've been laying out all of these scenarios is that this is our modern example of a fossil fuel war. And I think connecting those dots for people and taking it one step further and saying your choices day to day are actually very clearly linked to Russia's invasion of the sovereign nation of Ukraine is really powerful. Certainly for me and certainly for a lot of people, there's this level of, again, like I said, cognitive dissonance. You assume it doesn't have anything to do with you, but in fact, it has everything to do with us and how we pay our electric bills and how we're powering our homes and who we're voting for. And it's really disheartening to see this general level of this responsibility is not ours. And that's completely false. Oh, it's it's completely false. 79% of oil and gas donations went to Republican congressional candidates over the last 30 years. That's $250 million plus in campaign donations to the Republican Party. And I am a scientist. I don't identify as a liberal scientist or a conservative scientist. I don't need an adjective in front of being a scientist, but it's showing that the Republican Party really is beholden to the requests of the fossil fuel executives. So in addition, we are subsidizing oil and gas. That money is going to the policymakers that we elect into office who are prohibiting the ushering in of a clean energy revolution because of the interests of the fossil fuels. It's all connected. It seems complicated and it is complicated, but it's very much a one-liner here is we are, here's the one-liner, we are supporting the industry that is supporting the invasion of Ukraine. That's what it comes down to. You can actually just follow the numbers and see where global subsidies are going. You can see where campaign donations are going and you can see why policies are being blocked that would otherwise save Americans $500 a year in household energy costs. So if we stop subsidizing fossil fuels and we stopped allowing for these insane campaign donations to the Republican party from oil and gas, we as Americans, especially in this country, could get money back in our pockets from the benefits we would see realized from this transition to clean renewable energy. That's the bottom line is we are not only not getting money back, we are giving money out to a dirty war. That's what's happening here. 
quick break to tell you a little bit about our sponsors today. I'd like to tell you about a product that I've started incorporating into my weekly routines and I don't know what I was doing before I found it. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio that includes 1,000 milligrams of sodium and there is no junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, none of that BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following keto, low-carb, paleo diets. Y'all know I like to keep it pretty plant-based. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, weakness overall. And when you sweat, of course, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. You can lose up to seven grams per day. I have two key situations where I've started incorporating element packets and I feel like I've really seen a difference. I'm a pretty active person. I like to work out just about every day, but on the weekends, I've been skiing a lot and I am wildly underhydrated when I ski. I am not drinking water out there all day, doing cardio, hanging out in the sun, and just really pushing my body. And when I'm out there, I do a terrible job of drinking water. In the car, I like to have an element packet on my way home and I immediately can tell the difference. I am crazy thirsty beforehand. I know that my skin is looking dull and I am wind whipped. And that element packet on my ride home truly makes a difference so that I am my best self the following morning. Second situation where I love an element packet and I will just be really honest with you guys, I do not bounce back after a couple of drinks the way I did when I was in college. I recently brought a handful of element packets to a bachelorette trip and gave them to all the girls there And the following morning, we seriously sat in a circle, rehydrated ourselves, and we're just ready for another great day. Element is so sure you will love their product and come back for more. They're offering you a free Element sample pack. It's eight single serving packets for free. Just cover the cost of shipping, $5 for the U.S. consumers. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash eco chic. This deal is not available on their regular website. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash eco chic. Trying it is totally risk free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they'll give you your money back. No questions asked. You've got nothing to lose. Again, drinklmnt.com slash eco chic. I will have it in the show notes. I'd also like to tell you about our sponsor, Oregon State University eCampus. Oregon State University is a nationally ranked leader in delivering degrees and programs online to students around the world. Their mission is to empower people like you with the skills you need to build a career and make a difference in your community. By pursuing a bachelor's degree in the field of conservation and natural sciences, you'll develop the skills you need to understand, cultivate, and protect our natural world. You can choose from a variety of hands-on programs, like environmental science, to position yourself as a professional who can address climate change, or natural resources to study how human behavior impacts the world's precious commodities, You can even study fisheries and wildlife science and gain skills in habitat restoration, animal care, conservation, and more. All Oregon State online programs are developed by the same world-class faculty who teach on campus. One of the main reasons OSU eCampus is considered one of the nation's most innovative providers of online education. Discover how you can make an impact and find the right program for yourself at ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash ecochic. Again, that's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash ecochic. It'll be in the show notes. Now back to the show. Absolutely. Last thing I'd like to touch on in this conversation around the financials of the fossil fuel industry is this reference you've been making to subsidies. I feel like there's this very false understanding of energy prices because they are so heavily subsidized. And when we talk about the true cost of energy, 
it is very often similar to the conversation around the true cost of beef production, let's say, that's also heavily subsidized, or the true cost of water that's heavily subsidized in America. We really have a hard time understanding that there are line items that are left out of these conversations, that we're not talking about the human impact of a lot of these really extractive industries. We're not talking about the environmental impact. We're not talking about pollution. We're not talking about transportation costs and the impact it has on all these other sectors and the long-term health of our planet. What if there was a built-in fee around what fossil fuels are, um, are doing to the ozone layer in our gas prices? There's so much to think about when we talk about the true cost of energy or any of these other really harmful industries that as Americans, it's very easy to not talk about these things because you're not feeling it in your pocket. Exactly. I mean, that's part of the issue of us not perceiving the reality of the risk that we're contributing to because it's not made immediate to us and we can feel better about it because it seems, you know, once you put your money in a bank, for example, right, it's not just sitting there. Your your bank is repurposing your savings account and what is it actually using that money for? I mean, it's really easy to kind of th- not think about it because deposit your money in the ATM and you walk away. And that's the kind of stories that we need to make visible, making the invisible visible, feeling the actual cost of a final product, whether it's a beef burger and the cost of the energy that went into producing that burger and the cost of the water that went into producing it to pay the actual price for that burger. That's an example of really how to tell the story of what these end products are and what their true cost is to the environment. We started to do that. We need to do that better. Podcasts like yours and everything that you're trying to do and stand for, I applaud you for it because that's what you're doing. You're making these kind of complex, invisible realities very much evident to your audience. And so it's we need more efforts like this to make it happen because humans don't process things that aren't right in front of their face. And as the behavioral scientist in me will explain that really quickly, it's because we're not wired to do so. Our ancestors were designed to see a snake and run away. That's kind of the intrinsic wiring that we still have is the immediate risk, make a decision and act on it. If a risk is perceived as slow moving or far away, we don't need to put that energy in because it doesn't seem like a direct threat. And that's not true anymore. The truth is that all of these risks are very much threats like sea level rise, like the future of food security. All of these things are really going to impact our livelihoods and the security of our communities and our families. But our intrinsic wiring doesn't match the reality of the modern risk landscape that we live in now. We are still wired like our ancestors. Our brains haven't evolved quickly enough to keep up to the reality of the risks that we face. That's what we have to overcome, right? We, we are a smart species, even if we're cognitively wired to millennia ago, we're still smart enough to know that. So based on what we know about how the brain is wired, how do we actually present information in a way that is really going to resonate and result in behavioral change? So it's exactly that. Tell people the actual cost of that beef burger. Tell people the actual cost of fueling your car at the gas pump. It should be way more than $4. Everybody's freaking out about the cost of the gas. But if you actually look and see how much we've subsidized oil, then you'll know that we're paying a fraction. I mean, oil companies actually are passing on a lot of that to consumers. But still, I mean, the, the cost of oil is really underpriced in the sense of what it's doing to the planet. And the subsidies that we're giving to oil and gas, the numbers are just mind boggling. And humans don't process numbers that well either. A million cognitively does not seem that different from a billion or a trillion. 
So maybe we stop saying things like, oh, we've spent hundreds of millions or billions or even six trillion in fossil fuel subsidies and rather showcase how those numbers, how that amount of money spent has resulted in the decimation of a modern city like Kiev, Ukraine. I mean, that's the story to tell, to really be able to make a lot of the invisible visible and ultimately to get people to respond. And the best way for people to respond, and I know this will probably be your final question if you have one, is what can people do, right? The most impactful thing to do is to really take your money out of the hands of fossil fuels. Do that through where you bank. Recognize that your money, when it goes into your checking even account, it's going into the portfolio of your bank that has oil and gas companies as part of their clientele. So there's ways to really look into where your money is going and the different portfolios that it's getting into and supporting and remove it from those portfolios. Go into carbon neutral portfolios. Make sure that your money is not supporting oil and gas. That's one. And that's that's a story that needs to be told louder because it's easy to not think about your cash once it disappears into the into the ATM, right? So that's one. And then after that, it's so critical to take the time and really think through not just where your money is going, but how your voting is going to also allocate the limited resources that we have. So the people that we bring into office are the decision makers. They're the ones who say we have, with our limited resources, these different budgets that we're going to be supporting. And it really adds up. Is the person that you elect into office going to result in a clean energy future that's going to bring money back into the households of Americans? Or is it going to continue to basically line the pockets of oil and gas executives? Your vote really has a direct impact on which of those two scenarios plays out. So voting and making sure that you know where your money is being invested is two extremely impactful things that you can do. Wow. Well, first of all, you were totally right in saying that that was going to be my next question. What can we do? And I could talk about divestment all day because I'm so fascinated by this idea that a lot of us have, this false idea that our money is sitting at a Wells Fargo in a shopping center. And even just introducing people to the idea that their money is being invested by these banks is sometimes a really groundbreaking revelation for a lot of folks. I know the first time I heard it, I was like, why has this never occurred to me before? And the deeper you get into a lot of the portfolios of these banks, you realize how much dirty money is being circulated on your behalf without even realizing it. And it reminds me a lot of just investments in general when you're playing around on Robinhood or wherever it is that you're throwing around money to invest. Reading those portfolios and saying, oh, I really want to invest in an ESG stock portfolio. There's also this sense of like, if I don't buy it, someone else will when it comes to things like Amazon stock. And it's very easy also to rationalize where you're putting your money if you do not feel like you have a major pull. I think that there's also this very interesting false sense too that the individual choice does not matter when it comes to investments and when it comes to more specifically investments in fossil fuel companies or in banks or whatever else it may be. I think at the end of the day, it's really a matter of emphasizing to people that that individual choice really does matter long-term. Like we're talking over your lifetime of investing, like that's a lot of money that you could potentially be pouring into something that you just don't believe in. Right. Like you said, dirty money fueling a dirty war ultimately, right? 
think about how much of this war really is because of <laughs> countries relying on Russia's oil and gas. So do you really want to get behind the different companies that are able to refine that oil and gas for consumption all over the world? That's a way to think about how we really are all connected to this war. If you have bank accounts at places like Wells Fargo, you might want to follow the money. Follow your money. <laughs> yeah, or even beyond this war that we're seeing unfold currently, thinking about pipelines and all of the protests that we may have as individual consumers around pipelines. But if your money is sitting in a major bank that's funding one of these pipelines, you're tied to it. And there's definitely a certain level of like, it's us versus them, the corporations versus us, these individual consumers. And it's certainly not like that at all. Like you are playing into their hands. And that's both very intimidating and very empowering. I think once you get uh, some more information on where your money is going and you kind of grapple with this truth and then taking it one step further and relating it to current events like the Russian invasion of Ukraine takes it to say, wow, I am truly connected. We live in such a global world that you have to understand that you are truly connected to all of these major events. Absolutely. Very well said. I really um, appreciate everything you're doing here to communicate this to your audience. Well, I appreciate you being here. I will leave our conversation at that today. I feel like this has been a really powerful deep dive into a current event and relating it to individual consumers. So thank you so, so much, Sheta, for your time and for your insights. And it has been a real treat to learn from you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Sheta Chakraboti. I know that I learned a lot and I hope you learned a little something too. If you did, again, you stick around this long, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and share it with your family group chat and share it on your Instagram story. You know all the things. However, I also want to say we talked a lot about money and ESG and investing, and I'll go ahead and link an episode in the show notes if you'd like to know more about environmentally conscious investing. I had a conversation recently with Amanda Holden, a wonderful investing educator. And I know that in the show notes of that particular episode, I listed a whole bunch of resources to go even further. So if you're looking for some more conversation, again, check the show notes. Also, my mom recently told me that she didn't know how to get to the show notes. So I assume that there are other people that also have this problem. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you should be able to just scroll on the episode, assuming that it's a full sheet. Scroll down and the episode notes are below the player. If you're listening on Spotify, same thing. You pull up the episode and you should be able to scroll down past the player and the notes are right there. And that's where you'll find links and articles and additional episodes. And I hope it makes it a little bit easier to engage with some of this information on the show. That being said, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.